Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. I am Dave Denholm here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. What's on tap on this edition of Soccer Weekly is sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life. Drink good beer. We have got a massive show. It is El Trafico Week coming up on Friday at StubHub Center, the third and final regular season meeting between these two teams. And the first two have been unreal. Speaking of unreal, want to talk about Zlatan from a different perspective, along with Wayne Rooney and these players who are coming over some of them, you know, deep into their careers, like Zlatan. Some of them still a little bit younger, like Wayne Rooney has done, David Beckham did. People forget. People think David Beckham came over here when he was 38. He was 31 when he signed with MLS. Robbie Keane, we know those kind of stories here in Los Angeles. And Jose Mourinho, got to chat about him a little bit. We've also got fantastic interviews coming up. Tyler Miller, LAFC goalkeeper, going to join us. Now, what's going on here this week, of course, is El Trafico. We've seen the first two meetings. They have been ridiculous. Of course, uh, the Thursday, July 26th game at Bank of California Stadium after that opener at StubHub Center way back in March, which was just absolutely lit. That was a, if you think about it, what Zlatan did in that game and how LAFC built a 3-0 lead, then LA Galaxy stormed back for the 4-3 win. That was a game heard round the world because of what Zlatan did in that game. That thing was on highlight shows around the soccer globe. And then the second game, which we all thought there's no way that it can live up to the first one, not so fast, my friends. Once again, LAFC come up flying. They get two early goals, one of them from Carlos Vela, who's a usual suspect there with a a great assist from Adama Diamante. Then Lee Wynn with a brilliant free kick, but it was after the injury to Mark Anthony Kay, right? Remember we saw Kay struggling to get off. He was really hurt after that horrific tackle by Perry Kitchen. And I'm sorry, I'm sticking with that. It was a bad tackle. I'm, I don't care what anyone says. I'm not saying Perry Kitchen meant to hurt the guy, but it really wasn't a good tackle. And, you know, for all of that, LAFC looked like they were cruising 2-0, 80th, and they couldn't quite find the third goal. And it was a back-and-forth game. There were some chances. Both teams had a lot of shots. LAFC had the, the, the real lion's share of the great chances and could not get that third goal to just absolutely put the Galaxy away late. And what do you know? Ramon Alessandrini, 82nd minute, and then the giveaway from the new guy, Andre Horta, who was making his first appearance. It was just an absolute brain mesh, a brain freeze there. And he gave the ball to Ola Kamara, who uh, rounded Tyler Miller. And then the rest is history, 2-2. So LA Galaxy are living on a fine edge in this rivalry because that's four points they picked up from nothing. And essentially, LAFC dropped five points. Think about that. And I've talked a little bit about it on the show. Let's just presume, what if LAFC would have just shut down LA Galaxy in those games? Now, not not completely out of the possibility, right? I mean, you're talking a 3-0 lead in one and a 2-0 lead in the 82nd minute in the other. So let's just play with me here. What if they would have just shut them down in those games? Five points more for LAFC and four points less for the Galaxy. Do the math. Well, I'll help you. If you're driving on the 710, don't look on your phone to do the math, all right? I'll do it for you. If you flip those games around to two victories for LAFC, again, not completely unreasonable, right? I'm not asking you to flip the score lines. I'm talking about losing a 3-0 lead and a 2-0 lead late. If you flip those around... 
LAFC are 14, 6, and 5 for 47 points. Which, by the way, puts them in first place in the Western Conference. LA Galaxy, if they were to lose four points, which is what they would have done had they not won, you know, they stand to have lost four points, they would be in, what, eighth in the West out of a playoff spot on 33 points. I mean, that is how tight it can be in MLS when it comes to these finishes and finishing off games, which is the lesson here, of course, for LAFC versus LA Galaxy. Finish off games. You've started brilliantly. You're outplaying the Galaxy in these matches. And the Galaxy have just showed nothing but grit and determination and Zlatan to get back in. And you got to give them credit for that, right? It's not... It's games are 90-plus minutes. And LAFC know this. But they have to finish the job when it comes to this final El Trafico. More importantly... And I, I want to I, look. I don't want to give too much credence to it because Mario and I talked about it way back when the second game happened. Let's all behave. And I know I'm only talking to a very small group of people. Let's be realistic. That's the problem with sports. We get hung up on a small, minute percentage of fans who are idiots. But I'm speaking to you, idiots. Behave. Don't be a jerk. Just go enjoy the match. And if you have to drink a couple of less beers to do that with a level head, then drink a couple less beers. And again, speaking to a tiny, tiny portion of the fans, let's be realistic. It, most, of the, most of the fans are great. You can hate each other with a sports hate of a thousand sons, but it doesn't spill over into any stupidity. Well, I'm talking to the idiots today. Cut it out. Let's just have a great game and may the best team win over 90 minutes because... We all know that it's a 90-minute game when it comes to these. And you cannot, you can no longer say, well, they can't be as good as the first or second game. We said that after the first one. The second one was pretty amazing. So who knows what might happen? I do know what's happened with Wayne Rooney. He has turned around the atmosphere of D.C. United, just the thought of the team going forward, right? They're playing a lot better. Now, of course, they've had a lot of home games stacked up because they – we're on the road much of the early part of the year. But Wayne Rooney has made a huge difference for that team. And it got me thinking. Wayne Rooney and Zlatan have changed my mind about one thing. I no longer care how old somebody is who comes to MLS. I used to. I used to be like, you know, we need to look at young players only, really. Not only, but we need to keep the guys like Beckham and Keane from being too old. You know, we've seen too many of the Gerards, and It doesn't matter. It's about the individual. If Zlatan Ibrahimovic wants to come over when he's 36 going on 37 after a knee injury and he can do what he's doing, he belongs in MLS. Fine. Because he can play anywhere. If Wayne Rooney, the leading scorer of the eighth place team in the Premiership last season for Everton, let that sink in, wants to come over to MLS at 31, 32, whatever, and put in this attitude... You're welcome here anytime. 
It's not about the age anymore for me. Now, I'm glad we're signing young guys. You still need to do that. So there is some of that. Like all the young designated players, heck, we've seen a lot of them. Horta. We've seen the Diego Rossi be super special. We've seen Al Marone come in as a young player. We've seen Ezekiel Barco as an 18-year-old or whatever sign for tens of millions of dollars for Atlanta United. We've seen a lot of the young guys. That's great. you got to keep doing that, no doubt. But that's just part of football. you gotta, you got to bring in young players. Everybody does. But let's not just disparage. Oh, it's not a retirement. Stop worrying about that. Stefan Licksteiner signed with Arsenal at 34. Is that a retirement league? Yeah, well, don't even worry about that stuff. I'm done worrying about that. When I see what guys like Rooney and Zlatan, it's about the individual. And those two have come over and more than played hard and more than done their fair share to earn whatever money they're making or whatever it is. It's not even about money. It's just that attitude they've brought. Speaking of attitude, Jose Mourinho. Let me ask you something about this. Now, I watched his team, Man United, go out and play Brighton. At, at Brighton, and all the Amex Stadium is a tough place to play, mind you. But Brighton is a very defensive-minded team. They're going to try to beat you 1-0. Try not to give away too much. They don't have a lot of offensive talent. But they're decent, and they're certainly organized. Brighton went out and lit up Jose Mourinho's Man United side in a 3-2 lopsided win. It was a late penalty for Man United that made the scoreline much more attractive if you wouldn't have noticed. Dominated. Man United didn't belong on the field with Brighton in that match. And that's how good Brighton played. But Man United was sleepwalking. And let me ask you this. Man United fans, and I'm not trying to pile on, why would any team want Jose Mourinho as their manager? Why? Oh, but then homie went, well, I don't know. Has he won much in Man United? Has he made them so much better? Has he taken the club to a higher level? Do you want him for the publicity? Yeah, I guess so. Do I think he's still a good manager? I do, but it's all everything else that bothers me. It's all the baggage. He doesn't seem to have a good time. He doesn't seem to make the club want to have a good time. And it all just seems so heavy. There's no lightness to it. And I know the exact opposite would be like a Jurgen Klopp, and that's hard to compare because Klopp is way on the other end of the spectrum. I get it. Maybe there's some happy medium along the way. But come on, Josie. Have a little fun. Bring it back to Man United. It's too big a club. And oh, by the way, they're not that good. That's all something else I picked up in the Brighton match. Man United is not that good. Brighton had a wicked game, don't get me wrong. And Man United will come out and win a lot of games in the Premiership because there are a lot of teams that aren't very good. But Jose Mourinho, why would any team want this guy running their club anymore? I mean, it's it's too much of a hassle. I guess he's still great. Is he? I don't I mean, maybe not for Man United. Maybe he just wants to go or something. He just seems miserable. Don't forget, you can always follow us on the show if you miss something, the podcast at the ESPN Pod Center, or go to iTunes, just search Soccer Weekly, subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow us on the show at Talk Soccer. I am Dave Dunholm. Still to come, we've got LAFC goalkeeper Tyler Miller coming up next in the Black and Gold Breakdown here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's time now for the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Breakdown. Joining us now is the goalkeeper for LAFC, Tyler Miller. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. 
Tyler, want to do a little black and gold breakdown here for some of the younger club mates of yours. The CONCACAF Under-13 Championship and LAFC Academy goes on to win the Champions League of uh, CONCACAF and the U-13s. Pretty cool, I must say. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement for those guys, and obviously it's uh, it's a good sign for the future of our club, and it, it looks bright for us moving forward. You know, the reason I bring it up too, not only just to celebrate that, and that's a very, you know, awesome of you to say, they, uh, a lot of the academy uh, players came out and visited not that long ago. What is that like for the regulars? You know, sometimes you think, obviously, it's a special moment for the kids. What's that like for you guys to see the next generation? Really, that day, we just want to make them feel special and make them feel like, like, hey, we're all part of this this huge family and we're all in it together like from from the first team to to the youngest academy team and yeah. really want them to feel like it's a it's a family environment that we have yeah that is uh, amazing i remember bob speaking to him that day of course they were pumped about that but there's nothing there's no substitute for seeing the players on the pitch and the guys that they look up to that's for sure it reminds me i actually once saw a video i wish i could find it again i'm sure it's out there of uh, Lionel Messi at La Masia actually sitting down with one player from each of the the age groups that were fortunate enough. Uh, maybe they were the best. I don't know if they were MVPs or they were best students or whatever. They got to have uh, like a dinner with him just at a you know a casual dinner and ask him questions. And they were just like kids. Uh, you know, they were in heaven, obviously. And it's, it is important. And I'm. It's good to see LAFC remember that. Now, Tyler, on the pitch, uh, nothing like a couple of victories to get things turned around, and, and especially clean sheets, Tyler. Congratulations on that. It has been a good couple of games here for LAFC to kind of get back on track. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we went through a really tough stretch with uh, going to New York and going straight to Houston and then having Kansas City at home, and those are three really difficult games. Um, mm-hmm. But to be able to turn it around and, and uh, win these last two games and keep a shutout was, was a huge um, step in the right direction for us. Yeah, now obviously the elephant in the room is El Trafico coming up on Friday. We got to get to that, of course. And I've waited too long for that. It's LA Galaxy. Uh, Tyler, look, uh, through, from about 70 minutes from zero, minute zero to 70, you guys are, uh, unbelievable against the LA Galaxy, but they just won't quit. Uh, I don't expect any different on Friday. How do you guys approach this match? Uh, you know, you know that this team's going to play through 90 minutes. Yeah, when it comes to a derby, I mean, it's it, you can't turn off at any moment, and we've already we've already experienced that twice now. And mm-hmm. so, I think that we're approaching it the same way. We know that we're a good football club, and we're we're able to play and and do our do our thing out there, and it, it can um, <clears throat> really dominate the game sometimes. But when it comes to derbies, there's a different mindset, a different uh, just environment surrounding surrounding the game that that we have to make sure we're prepared for. And I think. Overall, the the last two games we've done really well defensively, which is something that that's going to be really important um, moving into this this uh, El Tráfico, the last one of the year. Um, is just making sure sure that we're sound defensively, and we know we're going to get our opportunities to score. So, our main key right now is just blocking it down in the back, and then trusting our attacking four or five guys that they'll be able to get the job done. You know, there's a guy on uh, LA Galaxy who people talk about, but of course he's been overshadowed, and that's Ola Kamara, and just the kind of the the, the dangerous type of player he is. He's just annoying when you're playing against him. You know, well, you know better than I do, of course. And talk a little bit about that type of player. He just doesn't stop. He's in all the right spots. The guy can finish. He's just a handful. Yeah, Ola Kamara is a, a good good guy, uh, good good player. I mean, he's 
he's scored some important goals this year and scored against us as well in the first game. Um, and when you play with a guy as big as Laton and, and his ego and, and mm-hmm. his stature on the field, sometimes you forget about Kamara out there, but that's where he can be dangerous because you can be so focused on where Zlatan is and, and making sure he's marked that you forget about Kamara. So we really have to be keyed in and, and locked in on, on both Kamara and Zlatan for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely right. We're talking with Tyler Miller, a goalkeeper for LAFC. He was the first pick in the expansion draft and joining a Los Angeles football club. Tyler, a lot of times when we talk about, you know, adding pieces at the deadline, which of course teams did around MLS, not the least of which was LAFC. We don't really think about defenders all that much though. You know, like a lot of times we think of adding pieces like that next great goal scorer, trying to get more goals, maybe trying to get a great midfielder, which LAFC has done both. But you also added Danilo Silva. Talk a little bit about what he's added in that back line. Danilo has been a great addition to our club. I mean, he's a great guy off the field to start. And so. Mm Uh, that's always important because of the culture and the environment that, that we that we have at the club. It, it, there's no like big egos, and everybody has to kind of just mesh together. And he he brings a lot of value when it comes to to that side of of things. And then on the field, he's obviously he's got tremendous feet and he's very calm on the ball and just brings an added element to our back line. And it just we already had a strong back line to begin with, but his ability and his skill set just helps to bolster it. Now that he's back completely healthy, how much does Luis Lopez push you, Kyler? I mean, we, it's an open competition. It, it always is, and um, every day we're competing to uh, to get on the field. And we know it's a um, when it comes to Bob, there's no favorites. It, the right guys are going to play, and it doesn't matter who who you are or what your name is. And so every day we're out there, we're working hard. And Luis, myself, and Charlie, we all have a really good relationship and a really good working partnership. So it's at the end of the day, one guy's going to play, and whether it's me or Luis or Charlie, we're we're going to be there supporting them 100%. Well, Tyler Miller has played 24 out of the 25 matches, and uh, frankly, the 25th one, I think you were just getting some rest, if I'm being perfectly honest. I could be wrong on that, but the uh, the shutouts are at 8 now, Tyler. is it? Do you ever put, like, you know, we talk about this with other sports, and guys want RBI, certain amount of hits, certain amount of runs, maybe certain amount of touchdown catches. Do you ever put some of that on your stats? Like, do you think about that coming into this season? Like, oh, I'd love to see the 10 shutouts, or I'd love – does that something that crosses your mind, or is it just something that's that can't really be measured? Oh, I mean, I, I love getting shutouts, and I think that's, that's a collective effort from the team, and it's uh, really – just goes to show the mindset of the team. But yeah. coming into the year, I I want to lead the lead the league in shutouts. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. That's a pretty good goal. We are talking with Tyler Miller, LAFC goalkeeper. Now I mentioned baseball briefly, Tyler. I saw a video earlier this week of uh, you and some of the guys, some of your boys, going to the Dodger game. And uh, I got to tell you, you guys took BP, right? Uh, I saw that. Did yeah. I see that video correctly? Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it's really cool to get out there with the guys. You know, and don't minimize it, Tyler. I saw the guys, you guys in BP. Tyler was one of them. Check out that video if you want to go to LAFC.com. And I'm a guy who's covered a lot of baseball in my career, Tyler, and I had to watch a lot of, you know, athletes come in to do BP that weren't from baseball. I, I got to tell you, I'm not just uh, sucking up here. I thought you guys performed pretty admirably, actually, all things considered. I'm sure you haven't really swung a bat that remote, that recently. You guys look pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a little while. Uh, I, I think overall, I was able to get maybe three out of 
the <laughs> decent decent line drive drive hit. Um, yeah. uh, I didn't get to see Harvey or, or John Thornton bat, but I heard that they did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Walker also did well, but but Kovar. Uh, he struggled a little bit out there. He, uh, it's those lefties. He had a few whiffs. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a lefty. He was, he was, uh, standing a little bit too far forward on his, his front foot. Um, but no, it's, it was great fun to get out there and then hang out with the guys and just get to meet, meet some of them as well. You know, it's funny. They asked John, uh, the, of course, John Thorrington, the general manager, on the video, like, what what would be the batting order? And I remember that Walker Zimmerman got a lot of love. It looked like he could swing the stick. I got to admit, he was he was putting a little pop in it when he hit it. Yeah, yeah. Walker's got a good hit to him. I mean, he, he plays golf a lot too, so I think he uh, he uh, focused in on on that background. Um, but no, Walker Walker can definitely uh, hit, hit the ball pretty far. Now, how did that like when when you go to a game like that? Are you guys like? Uh... Are you guys going together? Is it easier just to travel together at some type of situation like that? You know, LA traffic and all. Yeah, no, we've got a we got a decent carpool. We're we're over in Santa Monica, so uh, every day of training and then every day of the game and and to all these events that we're going to together. All we right. always that's that's what I wanted to know because now I want to know best and worst driver. Forget about baseball. Who's the guy that you don't want behind the wheel, and who do you trust the most? <laughs> um, I trust myself the most. Yes, exactly. <laughs> being honest. Um, worst driver, uh, I don't know. I have to, uh, each driver's different. Yeah, don't uh, worry. He's I, not listening. Whoever it is is not listening. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I, w- I would have to say probably my, my roommate, Kovar. He's a little <laughs> defensive and a little slow at times. <laughs> Well, there are worse. There are worse things to be on the roads in LA than defensive and slow. I guess uh, that, that's not yeah. the worst thing ever. So, who's yeah. got the lead foot? Is that you? Uh, yeah, I would say probably <laughs> me. But I, I don't tend to change lanes that much. So I just I keep it in the left lane and and just go. I nice. just go. Well. <laughs> That's it. Sounds about right. I must say that doesn't surprise me. But he has been playing great in the pipes for LAFC. It's Tyler Miller, the goalkeeper for the Black and Gold. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. You bet. Good luck in El Trafico, the uh, LA Derby coming up on Friday. That's Tyler Miller, goalkeeper for LAFC. We continue our talk of the LA Derbies here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA seven ten. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am David at home hanging out with you here as the hour rolls on. Thanks again to Tyler Miller, goalkeeper for LAFC, as he talked to us with, talked to us with El Trafico, among other things. If you missed the interview, go back, check out the podcast at ESPN Pod Center or on iTunes. Just uh, search for Soccer Weekly. Soccer Weekly is presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out. PuenteHillsToyota.com. And we talk about El Trafico, the big game coming up, of course. It's a six-pointer. It means as much for both teams, you know, as the other, certainly in terms of the standings and everything else. But I want to talk about this rivalry and where we are now. When you think about other LA sports rivalries, and it's amazing to me in just two games. Well, this is what the beauty of the beautiful game is, right? You might not be a huge soccer fan. Maybe you just listen to the show. Maybe you love seven ten. You're out there driving on the 405. You don't listen to or watch a lot of soccer. This is the beauty of the beautiful game. It grabs you quickly. Be careful if you're not a real diehard fan of soccer and you want to start paying attention. Just be careful. You will be grabbed and sucked in quickly. The pull is immediate and immense. And I'll tell you why. Because 
these two teams, LAFC and LA Galaxy, are rivals now. Now, some of them are going to try to downplay it. Some of the fans might even it's, stop. And it's it's already deeper than LA Dodgers Angels. That's not a real rivalry. Not really. It's just it's geography, and they you know it's kind of a cute thing. But Clippers Lakers, they play in the same building. It's not a rivalry, really. Not really, because. Neither has been any good when the other one was any good. <laughs> I know there was a little bit of an overlap there, but not much. And the the only thing you can compare it to in L.A., don't get me started, King's Ducks is, is right there. King's Ducks has that. But it's really like USC-UCLA for whatever sport, because obviously the two schools don't particularly love each other. And that's just, it, it's already... One of the better rivalries. And it's certainly right up there around the rest of L.A. And within MLS, no, no question, it's climbing ever quickly. Can these this third game live up to the other two? We talked a little bit about it. I don't know how you uh, – that question just seems seemed ridiculous after the first game. Now it seems patently absurd after the second game. But you never know. I don't want to break down the big, like, on-field – Issues for both teams. Where the, uh, you know, the positives now, you know, I've got it in my notes here. There are some injury concerns for LA Galaxy. That is true. They do have some issues. I have a little bit of an update on that coming up. Don't forget on Twitter, you can follow us at Talk Soccer, but there are some issues with some key players that may or may not go. We'll see what happens there. But here's the thing. It's, you talk about Zlatan and everything else. Really, this, these two games between LAFC and LA Galaxy have been all about LAFC. They just have. LAFC has come out from the first whistle back in March through 180 minutes, and it's been all about the black and gold. Now you can say, Denholm, what are you talking about? Zlatan came in and did all, it wouldn't have mattered. He may not have even entered in the game. Had LAFC done some things differently minutes before Zlatan came in? The giveaways, the lackadaisical defense, kind of the law, you know, kind of lose your way a little bit mentally, allowing the Galaxy back in. These two games have been all about LAFC. And that's because they're just better. LAFC are just better than LA Galaxy. Now, the results you can point to, if you're a Galaxy guy, yeah, absolutely. If you're a fan of the Galaxy, you want to tweet at me, at Talk Soccer, I get it. The results are there for them, and they deserve them. Not taking anything away from that. But as you watch these games, LAFC is just better. Now, they have to finish because it's a 90-minute game. And that's what the LA Galaxy have done. So you can't take anything away from what they've done, whether it's at StubHub in the first one or at Bank of California Stadium. Certainly no neutral observer could look at those two matches and say, well, the Galaxy are clearly better. LAFC are the better team. These games have all been about the black and gold. And that's what Bob Bradley has to keep instilling in his team. You've got to go out and finish it. Finish the job. Because they are superior on the pitch to the Galaxy. Just are. Doesn't mean Zlatan's a bad. Of course Zlatan's an amazing player. And he can do amazing things. Yeah, of course, LA Galaxy of talent. 
but those injuries could catch up to him a little bit. You saw what happened against Seattle with the, a lesser lineup. The Sounders just ran all over the Galaxy. Not going to make too big of a deal of that. It's happened to LAFC, right? It happens to teams in MLS schedules. LAFC come in 5-6-1 and one on the road. So they're a little below 500 now, finally, on the road. After a really good start on the road, and he'll still 16 points on the road is pretty darn good. Galaxy come in 6-4-3 and three at home, which is not great. It's a little sluggish at StubHub Center. Now, some of that is, was earlier in the season, of course, but so, you know, not so much recently as well as Colorado got a draw, draw against them. If you'll remember, the Rapids stuck around, or rather played two straight games in L.A. The first against the Galaxy was a 2-2 draw. And then, of course, LAFC's 2-0 victory over the Rapids. So we'll see how that translates. But this is a six-pointer to the nth degree. Not only do we have this unbelievable rivalry brewing and developing here in El Trafico, the L.A. Derby, but this is a six-pointer that realistically can shift so much in the Western Conference. L.A. Galaxy could be in deep trouble with a loss because the teams behind them, let's remember Portland, Seattle, they have the games in hand, three and two respectively. Those matter. Now, they're not the end-all, be-all. You still go out and win games, but that is huge. So I'm throwing stuff at myself here in the studio. Absolutely huge. To see how it's going to shake out, it comes down to this. Watch the midfield for LAFC. Watch how they respond, how they can get into the attack, how they can push the tempo. That will tell you everything you need to know about this derby, El Trafico, on, on coming up on Friday night. Watch LAFC's midfield. It is the, the key to the game. Can both teams score? Yes. Can both teams give up goals? Yes. Do I expect a low-scoring game? No, I do not. But I'm going to keep my eyes on that LAFC midfield and how they press the tempo, how they are able to control the football. Certainly Carlos Vela coming back a little bit to help out as Vela likes to play forward as much, but he's been definitely a key ingredient in coming back and helping out as well, without a doubt. So just watch for that. That is the key. Don't forget, check us out on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. It's going to be a good one. It is going to be a massive game, and I cannot wait. to Let me know your thoughts. Give me your final score coming up on El Trafico. What are your thoughts on that? At Talk Soccer. We continue the conversation even after the show later on. Puente Hills Chevy has been a big supporter. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry of the San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Say habla espanol. Still to come, we have got the L.A. Care injury report. And we've got stoppage time, the greatest segment in the history of radio. All that and so much more. I have Dave Dunham, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Dunham, hanging out with you. Final segment of the show flies by each and every week here on ESPN LA 710, the home for world football in Southern California. The LA Care Injury Report, this health report on Soccer Weekly, is sponsored by LA Care. As the nation's largest community-inspired health plan, LA Care is elevating health care in the City of Angels. LA Care, for all of LA, lacare.org. Now we got to take a look, of course, at El Trafico, the LA Derby, the, the two teams coming in, 
pretty healthy on the LAFC side. Of course, Mark Anthony K. he's out long-term, out for the season after the injured ankle. He's had surgery. I saw him in the hallway before the last game, and uh, we had a few shared a few words. He looks good. He looks good. So uh, I, I wish nothing but the best for him, of course. We all do. And he's looking good. Looks like he's well on his way to the road to recovery there. Now, for the LA Galaxy, it's a bit of a different story. Uh, for LA Times sports writer who covers both LAFC and LA Galaxy, Kevin Baxter, tweeted out earlier in the day that he said, uh, Alessandrini, Michael Ciani, Gio Dos Santos, and Jonathan were all training off to the side in training earlier today. And uh, according to Kevin Baxter's tweet, he says he doubts any of them will play Friday. So we'll have to wait and see on that. And again, those are injury concerns for all of those players. And and really, uh, you you'd have to be you'd have to be stupid to think that wouldn't affect the galaxy with those players. Of course. Now, again, Zlatan rivalry. I get it. it that's still you know still certainly going to be a fiery fired up game on Friday night at the StubHub Center. But those injuries cannot be. Uh, taken lightly you have to consider them certainly as a factor potentially in that match Uh, although you know we've seen the galaxy and lafc put out some lineups where you thought okay some players getting some rest whatever and sometimes you know look i mean you can have some success in this league with it if you just bear down and get some get results and both of those teams will look to that that's the health report on soccer weekly sponsored by la care now i want to talk about the mls teams down the stretch who i like who i don't also, reminder, just keep them flying in at Talk Soccer. Your, you know, thoughts on this matchup coming up. Uh, I will be carrying on the conversation after the show throughout the rest of the week as we get a build up for Friday's match. But as I look around Major League Soccer and why this is such a big game, we talked about it earlier in the show. This is, this is the time of year where we're coming down to these six pointers. And this is rivalry week in MLS. So you've got some matches that are mostly, certainly in conference. I believe all of them virtually, not not quite all. I, th- I think they're, yeah, it looks like virtually every matchup is in conference against each other, other than, you know, there's obviously one less team in the East. It's, you know, odd numbers. So there's certainly, there's one team not even involved on the weekend, but the, these games are massive because they're all six pointers right and there's been a, there's a few of them that are certainly particularly stand out and not the least of which believe it or not it's montreal impact taking on toronto now you would think hey then home there's 10 games left for toronto they only got 24 points they're nine back well yeah but stranger things in mls right just like dc united it's making a move now and with what wayne rooney has done to kind of ignite that team and they're playing new york red bulls Coming up on Sunday, that is a massive game for both teams. Now, Red Bulls, of course, battling with Atlanta United for the top of the Eastern Conference and the Supporters' Shield, but it's just as important for D.C. United to keep that stretch going. They're 6-1-1 at home, including the new Audi Field. What I like about the Western Conference right now, Houston taking on Dallas. Now, Houston has buried themselves. They're making that run in the U.S. Open Cup. They've knocked out LAFC in penalties. And they've buried themselves in MLS, it looks like. The Western Conference, though, at that game with Port- Houston and FC Dallas is big because Sporting Kansas City, it's going up against Minnesota. It's like the most least likely rivalry, quote-unquote, in all of MLS. They were actually, those two teams were kind of joking about it on Twitter earlier in the day. And, uh, you know, they're they're kind of like the, you know, that's their rivalry game because they essentially neither team has much of a rivalry against anybody else, or at least not compared to what some of the other rivalries are. 
Well, you don't have that with Portland and Seattle. That is an awesome game coming up on Sunday as well. The Cascadia Cup involved. I mean, those two teams genuinely do not like each other from the moment they stepped on this pitch. This actually goes back to the NASL and USL to whatever, whatever days all the way back to the seventies, I believe. And they're, you know, they're, Seattle's making a mad run. They're only two points behind Portland, two points behind the Galaxy going into play this weekend. And LA, LAFC, they've stumbled against the Galaxy, right? We talked about that. We've outlined that. But if they get the full three points in this Friday game, all of a sudden they're back up to 45 points. They could, in theory, be tied for first place if everything else goes right for LAFC on the weekend. So you hit the skids in MLS, right? LAFC hit a bit of a, a rough patch. Galaxy started out horrible. You pick up some wins in a row with the three points. And Pablo Alcino, who does the, uh, he hosts the pregame show for LAFC as I do the play by play. Pablo does a, a lot of the pregames along with Mark Rogan Dino at times. And Pablo and I had an interesting conversation and it, it led me to talk about some of the most just dynamic rule changes, not just to, you know, good or great or wow, this is right. dynamic rule changes that FIFA have put forward and not the least of which is three points for a win. Yes, it used to be the name of an old podcast idea, but it is so crucial and it's highlighted in these games. And I wanted, I, that's why I wanted to bring it up that changing that from two points to a win to three, some of you don't even remember that. You're probably so young. Most of us do. Changing that from two points for a win, one for a tie, to three points for a victory is one of the greatest single rule changes in the history of sport. Now, there have been a lot of them in all kinds of sports. We can name them, not the least of which is in soccer also, the back pass to the keeper. They can't just pick it up. That's also a massive rule. It changed the game. Well, three for a win has changed everything, and it just highlights that when you talk about these six-pointers. And they, these games become so much more important. I know a lot of people are like, oh, but they don't have a promotion or relegation. They don't, no, but it's the playoffs. Win the playoffs. Go to the Champions League. Still a lot on the line. What are you talking about? You're trying to win a championship here. And if LAFC gets those three points, 45 points, the Galaxy's stuck on 37 with what would be that loss, if indeed that's how it goes. Flip it, and all of a sudden the Galaxy are right back on the heels of LAFC. That's how important these games are. Now, there's nothing more important than our favorite segment of the show. What time is it? Well, it's time for Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time! Yeah! Stoppage Time! It's Stoppage Time! Right now! Oh, can't believe how fast these shows go. He is here to help us. He is the host of Stoppage Time and the producer of this uh, show, Soccer Weekly. It is the great Mario Reyes. Mario, welcome, Hey, buddy. what's happening, my man? How are you, man? Feeling good, feeling good. good. Excited for El Trafico Part oh, 3. Well, the part part <laughs> uh, trace, right? I mean, this is crazy how these first two games have gone. Oh, man. How are they going to top the first two games that they've Mario, had? Mario... That's the. I, I'm not going to ask that question anymore, right? We <laughs> talked about that. I just can't ask that question because I thought about that after the first game, right? right? Going into the second game. Exactly. And then look what happened. So you just can't ask those kind of wacky questions anymore about this rivalry already. Oh, man. It's it's going to be amazing. Can't wait. Anyway, uh, La Liga, as it came out last year, new, uh, last week, that news of uh, La Liga plans to stage a game in the yeah. U.S. 
as early as this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the players are actually not really, uh, feeling that. Yeah, they <laughs> They're were. unanimously, unanimously against coming to the U.S. and playing a game here. They don't want to go overseas. Uh, they're very surprised. They're outraged. They are totally against it. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, it's funny because it wasn't just like, yeah, we don't really want to do it. It's like they're really putting their foot down here and putting their, uh, drawing a line in the sand, it would appear. And, you know, Mario, some of that is probably a bargaining type of thing, right? They're going to try to, you know, use it as a bargaining chip maybe and, uh, you know, with the Federation. But realistically, it's not a good idea to be coming over in a season and playing a game that's meaningful when you're traveling that far. It's It's not good for the NFL to do it. So I'm not going to be hypocritical. I've spoke out against the NFL playing in London or Mexico. Mexico's a little bit better. The travel's a little bit less, you know, to go to Mexico City, certainly. But to travel that far in the middle of the season, that's just not good for anyone. And, and you know, these games, they, they do count. And, you know, and I understand you want to have something on the line instead of just a friendly sometimes, but maybe, maybe you just shouldn't ask for the world. Maybe, maybe you're not supposed to get everything. You know what I mean, Mario? Like yeah. Christmas morning when you're a kid, right? You put out this huge list. You didn't get everything <laughs> unless you were a spoiled punk. Right. right. There was always something you didn't quite get, and you still had a great time. Let's just leave it where it is. La Liga belongs in Spain. Play your games in Spain. You don't need to be playing a true La Liga match in, you know, sporting Kansas City's Children's Mercy Park. It shouldn't happen. So true, Dave. And even when this was announced, it was uh, mixed reactions, even from uh, people here in the U.S. It wasn't like they were like super excited about it. I mean, uh, nah, it's it's kind of like I think we're kind of getting over it a little bit because here in America, Mario, one of the factors that people don't think about is we can um, we can see so many leagues on streaming and television now right. in America. Quite frankly, they don't get that kind of access elsewhere. My buddy who lives in London now, or just outside, I beg your pardon, Brighton. He lives in England. I'm just, oh boy, he's going to give me a grief for that. Ooh. He lives in Brighton. It's a totally different. I'm not saying he lives in Brighton, England, yeah. and he's a big fan of Brighton, right? Like I talked a little bit about earlier. Mm-hmm. And they don't get the kind of games to watch, even that we do here in America. Of the premiership. Wow, that's they see less of it than we do, quite wow. frankly. I did not and, know that. You know, I mean, they, and, and it, it's like one big game a week that they can watch. I so mean, now they're going to they send one of the games over here for us to watch actually I mean, live. It's, it's absurd. And they can't even get the games on TV there. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's just not necessary. But what is necessary, as always, is stoppage time. Thanks so much, Mario. I really appreciate it. You Thanks got to it, all man. the folks who make this show happen weekly here on uh, ESPN LA 710. Michael Funches, Steve Paylad, Jesse Lopez. Really appreciate all their hard work. And, of course, the great Mario Rees. I am Dave Dunholm. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, check us out on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. You can follow the uh, podcast on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center. Subscribe, rate, and review. It is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710.